Welcome to the Nick Bob Podcast, live from the AOI Studios, a.k.a. my basement office. Uh, you know what is awesome? The chair I'm sitting in, that the good folks at AOI hooked me up with, and it's the Aeron chair from Herman Miller. I absolutely love this chair. I can record long podcasts. I can get a lot of work done. I can watch film for hours and feel comfortable the entire time. This chair is mastered with the latest research around the science of sitting, advancements in materials, manufacturing, and technology. If you're looking for a new chair, highly recommend the Aeron from Herman Miller. Check out AOI on the web, AOICorp.com. That's AOICorp.com or give them a ring, 402-896-5520, 896-5520. Reminder, subscribe to the podcast. Just click that subscribe button. That way, boom, every new episode of the Nick Bob Podcast Shows up on your phone. You just got to click it, and it's planned. I appreciate it. It helps me out. It helps you out. And while you're at it, leave a five-star rating and review. All righty. I am really fired up about this podcast today. Uh, this is a pod that you know I have. Uh, I've been sitting on for months. So I launched the podcast back in August. Uh, August 26th, I think it was the first day of the podcast. And, you know, you, you record a bunch of different things. And, and one of the things that was going on during the, the week I was launching it was Doug McDermott was getting inducted into the Creighton Hall of Fame. And I was like, I, I, I text Doug. I was like, Doug, you got a few minutes from starting this podcast. Can you, can you come on the pod and we'll just go down memory lane about your Creighton crew? He's like, absolutely. I got you. I'm, I'm running around doing some different things, but I can give you a call. I said, great. So I was able to catch up with Dougie McBuckets, Doug McDermott, for about you know 45 minutes or so and over the phone, and we went through his entire Creighton career. It was unbelievable. But so, you know, I record that pod, and then, you know, we have everything set up for the launch of the podcast that week. You know, we got uh, Rob Stone, Barrett Rude, Kevin Kugler, Schick, all this stuff, and then, then the pod gets launched, and it's football season, right? So we're doing recap pods with me and Bo Rude, and, you know, I'm having Eric Crouch on the pod and Jason Peter on the pod. And it just, I couldn't find the right place to play the Doug interview. And what I didn't want it to, I didn't want to, I wanted to find a spot where it was going to get the love and recognition it deserved. But I also wanted to make sure that, you know, I was staying topical with Nebraska football and football season. So it was just, it's kind of been, you know, and this might be too much information, guys, but like, I, I've just been sitting here with this Doug McDermott interview and I'm like, yeah, hey, I got to figure out when I want to run it. And the reality is in the middle of basketball season, when everybody's got hoops on the brain, especially creating basketball on the brain, this is a perfect time to run it. A perfect time to run it. It's the perfect time to run it because hoops on the brain and I'm super busy traveling around doing some stuff for college basketball. So I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm in an airplane, in a hotel, calling games. And I was like, this, this is just perfect. So what we decided to do was break this interview up into two parts. And there's tons of good stuff in here. Jay's fans, it, it, you guys had a front row seat at this dude's career. And you want to know what every little thing was like when Coach McDermott took the job, uh, deciding to come to Creighton, what it was like freshman, sophomore year, then decision to come back, his senior year, like tons of amazing stuff with Doug McDermott. This was uh, a, just a pleasure. This was a treat. Um, this guy is a special dude. He's the greatest basketball player to ever play at Creighton. 
Uh, he's got one of the most decorated careers in the history of college basketball. 3,000-point score, three-time All-American, National Player of the Year. Um, just, just one of the more amazing stories you'll see in college basketball. And it was an absolute pleasure to sit courtside uh, for pretty much all 3,000 points. Um, I was the, the Creighton radio analyst uh, during that time. And so I was able to get to know Doug off the floor, watch him uh, on the floor. And it was, it was amazing, man. It was absolutely amazing. So that's the plan for the, for this pod is to run part one of my Doug McDermott interview. We'll run part two, uh, coming up in uh, a, a few days after, uh, but without further ado, let's get to it. I'm so excited to finally share this with you guys. Here is my podcast conversation with the all-time leading scorer in the history of Creighton basketball, current member of the Indiana Pacers, Doug McDermott. Uh, Brother of Nick McDermott, brother of Sidney McDermott, son of Greg McDermott, and friend of Nick Baugh, uh, Dougie McBuckets. Doug McDermott joins us. Dougie, what's up, man? How you feeling? Yeah, I'm great. That was a great introduction. Uh, <laughs> it's great to be back in Omaha. You know, it's uh, always a good memories coming back here. And, you know, I'm just looking forward to just being around um, all these people I shared a lot of good memories with. Yeah. You, so you're going into the Creighton Hall of Fame. You and Anthony Tolliver are in the same class. Does, in a weird way, does that make, uh, I, I got inducted into my high school Hall of Fame this past winter, and it made me feel really old. Like, like as sad as it sounds, like I was like, ah, I just feel really old. I can't believe, it's been, what, yeah. five years? Yeah, you know, I was like, dang, I'm not that old. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> old, as old as Anthony Tolliver. Right, but, right, uh, right, right. Yeah, it's, it's cool that we're doing it both together, and, you know, I think it'll bring, you know, guys from, you know, my team and guys from, you know, AT's team that, it would be good to have just an alumni type weekend. So, but it definitely started making me feel old when I see, you know, my sister in college and right. Jeff Vanderloo's daughter in college. You know, it just time flies and it's already been, you know, I'm going into my sixth year. So it's, it goes by so fast. Well, how about, uh, you know what really makes me feel old? And you, I mean, this would probably make you feel old too is, I mean, Tucker DeVries, D Rock Sun. Yeah. is getting like division one basketball offers that makes, I don't know what it is about Tucker. Just that makes me feel really old. It's absurd. You know, I played, <laughs> I was actually in Iowa this past week and I played golf with D-Rock and Tucker. And Tucker's <laughs> like six, six and he's, you know, talking, you know, he's, he's such a quiet little kid, I know. you know, all grown up and we're talking about, you know, playing for our dads together. It's just, it's really weird. It is me. weird. It, just, who, it feels like yesterday. Who is uh? I was trying to think about this. Who was the last guy that you played with? Like, when were they done? Was it Zierden? Because I remember that being kind of a big deal when the guys that you played with were officially done. For sure, yeah. I think it was. I think it was Zierden. I think it really, yeah, it was Zierden or like that Zach Hansen class. Yep, yep. Um, somewhat one of those classes, and I, I just, it's just so weird, you know, coming back now. You know, I come to the locker room and. You know, I start, I think it'll get really weird when it's guys that when I was in college, like Mitch Balk was coming in as like an eighth grader. So we were recruiting him when I was still on the yes. team. Yeah, so there's a um, connection. So once that, yeah. once that phase is over, it's going to be really weird. I feel like I've known Mitch since then in eighth grade. So yeah. once that class is out of here, it's, 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 uh, that's when it's, when it's going to feel really weird. How, how about, uh, real quick before we get into a deep dive of your Creighton career, how about Coach Gibbs, head coach, Oklahoma City Thunder G League team? 
I'm not surprised at all. He always seemed like he was destined for for the sidelines. What I mean, pretty amazing though. Pretty amazing. You know, I've uh, after being in OKC and being around Sam Presti a lot, um, you know, it doesn't surprise me at all. He's always felt very highly of Gibbs, and I think it goes back to the days where he was coming to you know scout scout. Yeah. And, you. you know, he saw Grant as a coach, you know, on the floor. And I think he really did his homework on Grant. You know, he was spot on. And it's, it's just so cool for Grant. And, you know, I know people there just love him. You know, yeah. he's done a really good job with their G League team as an assistant. And uh, with that guy moving up, um, he was next in line. And I don't know if he saw it coming or not. Um, but, you know, being 29 years old and having a head coaching job in the G League for probably one of the best organizations yeah. in the NBA, I think uh, – speaks volumes of you know what he's done in a short time all right let's do the deep dive here Dougie I want to start uh I want to start in high school and work our way all the way through um Mm -hmm. so you had it was three offers out of high school right it was northern Iowa Creighton and central Florida correct yep yep what what do you yeah it's just nuts to say that out loud what were the conversations like between you and your dad about him recruiting you and his decision to not offer you because I think I remember I remember being in high school and like you just want offers so bad you're like I don't get it man what like I'm killing these people I got why am I not getting offers did it kind of bug you or did you guys have like a good understanding in that regard when he was at Iowa State we had a really good understanding you know I think um at the time him being at Iowa State um you know there are a few programs that were like Big Ten um that were starting to call a little bit, but you know, it was, I think it was John Beeline at Michigan and then um, um, Carmody um, yep. at Northwestern. And, you know, I was like, dang, I want to go to the big 10 so bad. I'd love to play at Northwestern. I just, I wanted to play at the highest level. Um, but I, those guys never really pulled the trigger because they're like, if you're going to play, you know, in a power five, you're probably going to play for your dad. So, right. you know, we're not going to continue this. So that. Right. <laughs> and that kind of made me feel it put a chip on my shoulder because you know I think um, just just they everyone kind of labeled me as a mid major player yep. and uh, you know I think I um, took that to heart and you know I really worked my tail off um, you know I, I was getting good mid major looks with Creighton um, U and I Central Florida and a few other Valley schools and I kind of just said okay I'm just going to go to one of these schools and have a really good career. And, you know, things weren't going great at Iowa State with, my, with you know, the yep. team. And, you know, I think the end was kind of near, and we kind of knew that. And I think my dad wanted to avoid that at all costs. So he's obviously really good friends with a lot of these Missouri Valley coaches. And, you know, we, we went on our visits, and, you know, I really liked it down in Central Florida. But I think I was convinced maybe it was a little, you know, more of a vacation destination and not a <laughs> yeah, basketball, play, yeah, right. play ball. <laughs> and, uh, we went down there, me and my dad on the, on the visit there. And I, I was like, I want to commit right now. Like I told him, <laughs> like we were, we had the coach's house. I mean, the coach's we over at his house. And I told him like, yeah, I think, I think I'm ready, man. Like, this is the spot. He's like, let's just go back to them. Let's go back home and sleep on it a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, of course I go to Cedar Falls a week later and, Yep. Commit a couple weeks after that, so um, it's pretty uh, pretty crazy looking back, and um, you know those are good times, and you know I'm I'm glad I got to go through that recruiting process. So, okay, so when your when your dad takes the Creighton job, did you 
instantly think, oh, maybe I could follow him to Creighton, or did that did that not happen right away? Like, what was that like when he gets the Creighton job? Was it instant? Like, oh, I'm coming to Omaha with my dad. It was uh, it was honestly um, a, a collab, you know, decision, yeah. a family decision. You know, I think I was, I, I remember we were it was like senior week in high school. So you just want to be with your friends, you know, like mm-hmm. you're not really, your finals are over and you kind of have like this week of just having fun. And, you know, I'm at, over at my buddy's house down the street and, you know, we're, we're, we're being high school kids. Yeah. And, you know, my dad, my dad calls me like at, you know, I'm, my curfew's not till 1230. <laughs> so I'm like, it's nine thirty or 10. He's like, Hey, get, get home. We need to talk. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm like, I'm staying home. I'm staying over here. <laughs> and uh, he's like, no, for real, we need to talk. So I go over there and, you know, just something. He's sitting in a part of the living room, like in our house that I've never <laughs> seen him sit in. I'm like, okay. And he's with some other guys. And I'm like, all right, something serious is going down. So he laid it down. He said, okay, well, here's the deal. Um, Creighton has called me and, you know, they want to meet. Um, you know, we want to meet um, in the next you know day or so would you be interested in following me if, if that were the case? And I was like, you know, as a son, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Right, right away. Just hopped on it. And, uh, yeah, I think he slept on it. Um, he talked again in the morning and he went and met with Raz and, um, I know that went really well. And, right. you know, from there it's kind of history. I, I joined him, you know, it was such a quick decision. Um, but you know, I think we kind of maybe saw it coming, towards the end of his Iowa State year that there's a chance he could, you know, go to a mid-major type program if, if things didn't go well. And, you know, that's what happened. Were you – so there was no hesitation about – because not, not everybody wants to play for their dad. You know what I mean? A part Some people, when they go to college, a part of wanting to go to college is like, man, I want to get away from my parents. I want to – like, so was there – it sounds like you were like, hell yeah, I want to play for my dad. Yeah, you know, I – I really didn't want to. Um, I was saying it all year in my whole recruiting process. Like, I don't want to play for him at all. There's nothing personal. Yeah. I think it was more this. I think it was more the situation. I wanted to go somewhere where I could kind of be my own person and not just the coach's kid. And, you know, being in Ames, I just kind of wanted to get out of that spotlight a little bit. And we felt like playing for Jake was the perfect fit. You know, mm-hmm. he's pretty much like the second father to me at, at the time. Um, you know, and that was a perfect situation. And, um, you know, I think once the, the Creighton deal came along, I'm like, okay, well, if I go to you and I, I'm going to have to play against my dad yeah. two or three times a year. There's, right. there, that would just be awkward. And, and so it just, it came down to just for the family. It was such a good move. You know, my sister was young. It's so easy to move everyone. And, you know, I think at the time, you know, I was recruited by D rock and those guys were for us. So I was familiar with Creighton. And, uh, you know, I think it just, it was just the perfect, um, scenario and perfect job for him to get, um, for me to be able to come on. All right, let's get to, okay. So then you, you arrive freshman year. I don't know if you remember this. I I got a call from D rock. I went and played three on three with, it was like you and maybe Josh Jones and Antoine. It was just, (laughs) it was, we didn't have enough to play five. So we played three on three. And I remember it was in the summer or fall before your freshman year and you were just killing it. And I remember going down to D rock's office and I, I remember going D rock, you're going to red shirt Doug. Like he's, I think this dude's like arguably the best player. And he was like, really? You think I'm like, yeah, this guy is, this guy is <laughs> the real deal because people forget like the plan was to kind of red shirt you initially, 
But who got Kenny got hurt, and then that kind of like opened the door, or someone yeah. got hurt, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, dang, that's a guy that goes back a ways. I, I do remember that now that you say that. Um, the three on three game. Yeah. Um, but I think it was it was Casey Harriman. Casey. So that's Casey right. was Casey had the shoulder issues, and it was Casey and Ethan that were both kind of at the four spot. Um, and you know, Ethan had a really good freshman year and like he was probably going to be the starter, but he actually had a foot deal. He had the plantar fascia, I believe. So he was dealing with a little bit too. So we were just kind of low on bodies and they, they needed me and I was playing well in the summer league. I was playing well in you know, open gyms and stuff. I was still very thin. Um, and they're trying to put weight on me and I just, I took off in that Colorado scrimmage. We played, uh, we played Colorado. Um, in Denver, um, and we just didn't have enough bodies. And it's me and Kenny, <laughs> and I think Gregory couldn't play because he had a it was something, something weird. So me and Kenny played like the whole game, and I ended up just having a really good game against Andre Roberson. And yep. we were both freshmen, and uh, you know I just took off from there. And you know they, they had to they had to play me because we just didn't have enough bodies. So did you? But okay, so it, it takes off for you, and you have a really good freshman year. But did when did the confidence really kick into overdrive? Are we because we're going to get to your sophomore and junior year? Was it was yeah. it later in the was it one of those two years or did was the fuse lit early on in your freshman year of confidence? Like, man, I'm I'm better than a lot of these guys. Yeah, honestly, it it started right away. You know, yeah. I, I went on a really good streak of you know double digits um, my freshman year, and I was like, dang, I can. I think I can really do this. And, yeah. um, you know, obviously when you get to Missouri Valley play, you know, the, the coaching seems to be a little better and the, the style of play, they kind of grind it out a little more. And I was still, still being productive. And, you know, it's just so long ago, I forget. I felt like I was confident, um, as, a I scored a lot more on the block. I feel like my freshman year yeah. and then, um, sophomore, obviously that's when I really, really took off. I think, um, there was a game at Bradley, um, mm-hmm. um, my sophomore year, or was that freshman year? No, it was your sophomore year. I looked it up this morning. You had four, you were yep. 18 of 23 from the floor. You had 44 points. And yep. I, I do remember, you, you know, Kip Kissinger, the ref. I remember during yep. the game, Kip, like you scored, you, you had a crazy shot and I was calling the game on the radio and Kip took his whistle out. And looked at me, and you know, you know, you like that eyebrow look. Like, look at this dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and, uh, but that's—I <laughs> I remember that being. I thought you were really good, but that I remember that game being like, "Whoa, this, this is this guy isn't kind of good. Yeah. This is like another level." That of was the one. That was the one. You know, and it was like, I just—I'll never forget that trip because it was like that. Was, was it snowy snow. there? Like, yes, crazy. Yeah. Like, yes, I think we got snowed know. in. It's, it's, Yep. No one really there, and like <laughs> I don't know, it just had that it had that vibe where we were all clicking, and I just had a crazy game, and like had my first like dunk, like it was just <laughs> I feel like I kind of kind of just took off from there. And yes, that's, that's definitely when it was like okay, this is this is for real now. Okay, I want to back up uh, for a second, and we're talking about things exploding for you individually, but uh, as a team, at the end of your freshman year. You guys play in the CBI. You go all the way to the finals. You lose to Oregon in what was a best of two of three. I mean, that mm-hmm. seed, I mean, it felt like we were in Eugene, Oregon for like a year. Like at the end of the, the, end of the year. Yeah. But, but remember at the end, at the, during that tournament, 
you guys switched up your style of play. You started playing fast. You let Antoine Young push it. You guys were taking quick – it was pace. It was like how Creighton plays now. That that had to have been a turning point for, for the team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think that for sure was you know because I remember you know after our you know we were done we a little disappointing to end the year in the valley and, and whatnot and I remember the coaching staff you know sitting down with us and like all right guys like we're gonna play in this CBI or <laughs> yeah. CIP yeah. Like, sponsored by Zebra Pen uh, <laughs> you know we were like what like. All the seniors were probably pretty down about it, like right. Caleb and those guys. But <laughs> you know, I think <laughs> uh, we just didn't want to practice anymore. You know, we didn't want to yeah, go up to that old right. gym floor and all that stuff. And our first practice, we get up there and it's like super fun. Like they're we're not doing any defensive stuff. We're just getting up and down. Like they're telling us to shoot every three we get. Like you know, just we're like, okay, this is kind of fun. This is like this is this is awesome. And then we, we did it at home against I forgot which team and we just kinda got on a roll there with that style of play and it definitely set the tone for not our team's future but kind of the culture of Creighton basketball. And I, I don't think uh you know people realize how important that stretch of totally C B I games was and um uh, it was that was some of the funnest basketball I think, you know, you know, all of us you know, would say that, uh, that we played. So okay, so that's when the to me the culture and the style got, got laid down but I also yep. remember I vividly remember the San Diego State game on the road as being mm-hmm. to me that felt like a huge turning point for your group in like being winners you remember for I don't sure. know like your freshman year you guys lost a million close games. It was one of those things like yep. you would be in there and then something would happen in the final four minutes and you would lose. Like that happened all the time. But I, yep. I, I vividly – that's another uh, moment that I remember – I remember walking to the bus in San Diego – at San Diego State after you guys won that game. It was a tough game. Uh, Austin Chapman yep. played great. Ethan played great. And being like, this group feels like they got something going. Could you feel it too? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that's another game I meant to say earlier. You know, I think I remember that trip too. I remember you, we had you in practicing against us the night before. You're yeah. like, okay, like you didn't, you didn't know you're practicing and then right. Max threw you in there. Yeah. It was one of the Xavier things. Yes. The worst depiction. I of remember, like, yeah, it was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that practice uh, the night before. And, uh, you know, I think me and Gibbs were actually talking about this. That game um, was huge because we were down like, freaking 20 points in the first half or whatever it was and we we found a way to win and as you said the freshman deal when we lost a lot of close games I think having Gibbs really helped us um you know figure out how to win just having another guy out there that um has experience and pretty much as a coach out there on the floor he always had a calming influence like in the huddles and uh another another game that was similar to San Diego State, weren't down as much was at UAB, um, yep. where we we found a way to win in a pretty tough environment um, against a team that was really good. And those two to me were um, when we figure out how to win and not figure out you know ways to lose like we did our our freshman year. Because because I think those two games then allowed you remember you have the unbelievable uh, bracket buster win Long Beach State. Antoine hits the mm. shot. It was an unbelievable game. Um, Yep. Then you win the Missouri Valley Conference tournament. It was all of a sudden it was like it flipped to where you guys expected to win 
and that little subtle shift changes things. What do you remember about uh, that NCAA tournament? Beat Bama, and then you know you have the Harrison Barnes and connection of you and Ames and and Ames High, and you got to play North Carolina in the yeah. second round in Greensboro, which that was basically a road game. Right. Yeah, that was uh, that was there were just so much storylines and it just felt like such a big distraction. You know, people were talking about that more than you know the game and it just. I just think it got caught up. You know, whenever you play a team and you know, basically they're where they played their conference tournament, you know, right. it's, it's it's tough. You know, it's it's really tough. And um, that Bama win was huge. Obviously, the, the Jonesy shot. Yep. Um, that was such a fun game. You know, just to kind of, I think that was my dad's uh, first NCAA tournament win, and you know, that was a very special uh, feeling. Just getting him over that hump because mm-hmm. you know, you and I he had so many great teams and they lost so many close games, you know, to these really high seeded teams. And, uh, it was just cool to be on that floor, you know, sharing that moment, um, winning that, that tournament game. And, uh, I'll never forget that. And playing against Harrison, yep. um, pretty special sharing the floor uh, with him and then eventually playing with him on the Mavericks. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. It's two guys, you know, from Ames, Iowa. Okay. So now let's get to your junior year. And I guess, I want to ask this question while we're kind of transitioning to the next year. Because I was going to ask this at the end of the interview, but I want to ask it now. Take me to the invisible moments where you're working and grinding in the summer. You're in the old gym by yourself. It's, it's, at, it's night. It's June. It's July. Like, what, tell me what those moments look like. What did that look like? Because you don't become the player that you, you became and are without – put like busting your ass behind the scenes. Tell me, give me some, like what were some things and some, and some moments that were behind the yeah. scenes working? Yeah. I mean, I fell in love with the old gym, man. Um, I, uh, I tried to make it a nightly routine where I'd go over there and I'd, I'd always want to be alone. And yeah. you know, if there's someone in there, I would probably wait till, till they're out of there. And, uh, just became uh, just a routine. And I, I started going there in the mornings too, before, before class, uh, I remember, you know, people having to tell me to some, sometimes I'd get texts or emails like, Hey, we got the ALC down here. We don't need the ball <laughs> bouncing around all the time. So I have yeah. to come back later. Um, just so many, uh, memories like that and shooting on the gun and just, um, just thinking about, you know, my future and everything. And I think, uh, you know, my biggest summer, um, was, after my freshman year, I got invited to that USA deal yeah. um, for the U19s. And, you know, I thought, you know, it'd be tough to make that team with all those guys. And um, I just, I busted my ass that summer. I, yeah. I was in the gym every single day. I was staying at my parents' house, um, just really locking in. And, you know, just, um, I, I put on a lot of weight that summer. And uh, that, that was that was it for me. And I took off from there because I, I made the team. Um, and I just saw how much the hard work was paying off. And, uh, you know, from there on out, I was, I was a gym rat and, uh, you know, I, uh, me and coach DeVries did a lot of stuff in the mornings and, you know, I always thank him because he was, he was a huge part of my development too. And, um, 
Definitely a lot of good memories in that, Jim. All right, that'll do it for part one of the podcast conversation I had with the man, the myth, the legend, Doug McDermott. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. That way, when we drop part two coming up, you will have it. Just click that subscribe button. That way, every new episode of the Nick Bob Podcast downloads right to your phone. So coming up in a couple of days, we are going to drop part two of the Doug McDermott interview I had with him. Uh, I, I'm t- right. I didn't lie to you guys. This is really good. And let me tell you, it just gets better. You're not going to miss part two of my conversation with Doug McDermott. That'll be coming up in a few days. Again, in the meantime, subscribe to the podcast. Give it a five-star rating and review. I really appreciate each and every one of you listening to the pod. So we'll see you next time on the Nick Boss Podcast. Thank you.